Hi, everyone. Welcome back to our podcast, Very Factual. We're your hosts, Kayla. And Isabella. And what a week it was in the world of football. The Champions League got started back up, and there was some amazing Premier League games this weekend. But we'll kick it off in the Champions League when Newcastle made their Champions League return for the first time since 2003 with the lively matchup against AC Milan at the San Siro. 0-0 was how it ended, with Newcastle having to thank Nick Pope for the shot-stopping with seven saves alone in the first half. Milan charged at the Magpies' goal with 25 so- shots overall and nine on target. Rafael Liao was the main threat going forward with plenty of chances, which gave Newcastle quite the scare. Newcastle... um. Could have came away with the win in this game with Sean Longstaff almost nicking in a win in stoppage time, but it was parried away by sub goalkeeper Marco Sporatello. They came away with a point from this one with a very by a very wasteful Milan side, but it won't get easier from here as Newcastle have to face PSG next in the Champions League. Kayla, this wasn't quite the result we were expecting. No, it wasn't what we were expecting. I mean, 0-0, I, like, I was pretty set on Milan winning based off of Newcastle's form in the Premier League this season. Yeah. But like they really picked it up and pushed in this game to at least not go home with a loss. Overall, I know Milan did play better, but I am surprised Newcastle managed to keep the game a tie. Yeah, I think Newcastle should be very happy <laughs> with this <laughs> result because it could have been way worse. Yeah. Um, Obviously, Milan had the edge being like the bigger team and Newcastle were outplayed in some moments of the game. They were they were I feel like they were very shy and they didn't want to really try anything. Maybe it's because they were away from the Champions League from so long. And I feel like Nick Pope was really their star player of the game because it could have been crazy. Like they could have been like. They, Milan could have won this game like 5-0 or something and if Newcastle c- continue to play you know kind of like this kind of like lousy kind of game I feel like they're definitely gonna get knocked out because they are like we said in the group of death with mm-hmm. Dortmund PSG and Milan um and it just doesn't look like the Newcastle from last season. Like, there was so much cohesion in the team, and they really deserved their Champions League spot last season, but now they're not really making up for it. Um, But on Milan's side, Milan should be really embarrassed by their performance mm-hmm. in this game. So many chances. There was, what, 25 shots. Oh my 25 gosh. shots. How do you miss all of them? And um, Rafael Liao, he was, he, I feel like he had the most chances out of any Milan player in this game. It, there was just carelessness by him. I know there was this one chance that he had that he tried to do a little tricky, tricky little back heel thing. Like, play the game. Put the ball in the net. Stop doing some little, mm-hmm. it, it's I, not worth it. Yeah, I feel like Milan just, like, was a little too cocky going into the game. Yes, uh, definitely. Because, like, they definitely, I feel like they were just, like, were in that mindset, like, oh, we're definitely going to win. It's just Newcastle and everything. But as they were playing, I don't think they kind of realized it isn't Newcastle. They were really trying their hardest to keep it high. Yeah, I think um, Milan also have kind of started off the season kind of, like, not on the wrong foot, but they've been kind of meh. Mm-hmm. <laughs> I will say, um, 
And I feel like this game is definitely going to feel like a loss for them because they really should have won. This no, game yeah. was literally set for them. And I'm really surprised that Milan didn't come away with like a three to one victory because they really should have. Yeah, last episode we were saying how like Milan was definitely going to win. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's not, it's no problem. But it's just they didn't perform. Like Newcastle should be very happy with the tie because oh, everyone yeah. was expecting like Milan to be like three to one, four to two, you know. I know, but something like about Newcastle is that they got lucky. Mm-hmm, they got so sure. lucky because it could have been worse. And they kind of have to pick it up because they're not going to get lucky each game. Like PSG have been, they they beat Dortmund, which we'll talk about later. Like you can't, you're not going to get lucky every single game. So you actually have to perform. You can't base your games off of luck. I know. PSG got their uh, Champions League campaign off to a great start, beating Borussia Dortmund 2-0. Luis Enrique's side dominated the first half and got a controversial penalty shot down for a Nicolas Zule handball. After the half, PSG get the same exact penalty, and of course, uh, they were awarded it this time. Um, Mbappe took the penalty and made it 1-0. Ten minutes later, Hakimi made a very nice goal against his former club, sealing the win for PSG. Um, So the first half of this game, I would say it was very bland. There <laughs> wasn't really anything to like look at. It, everything just really came in the second half. Um, And speaking of the second half, the penalty that they were awarded it was cor- the correct decision because it did ha- hit Nicolas Zule's hand. Um, and those are the laws of the game. Like, even though it looked like a natural position, like, I understand he couldn't really take his, like, hand away or do anything about it. It It's in the laws, so it is, like, literally a penalty. And something bright about PhD, I think they looked very disciplined, um, for the first time in a while, like, PSG have always been known as that, like, egotistical club. Like, they've been nicknamed a couple times FC Hollywood because of all the egos that they had in <laughs> the dressing room. And I, I, they really stuck to Luis Enrique's plans. And if they continue, they'll have a good chance at winning because I know this is something PSG have wanted for a while. And they've had teams that can do it. It's just... They don't have that mentality. Like I said, it was FC Hollywood. And all they have to do is continue this form and they might have a chance against Manchester City in the final. I'm calling it right now. (laughs) (laughs) Um, Dortmund, on the other hand, they looked like Dortmund. Like nothing special came from them. Again, they also started off their season on kind of a wonky foot. Um, They got exposed in the midfield a lot. Um. They their defense made many mistakes. Like if you press their defense enough, they'll crack and you're literally through on goal. Um, I, like Nico Schleierbach is he's like he's not that good of a defender. Um, Nicolas Zule, I've never really liked him either, and um, they don't really have a good record at comeback wins, so I'm not really surprised they're lost. And then I think that this group is gonna end up being PSG and Milan going through to the next round yeah I agree with that I was thinking maybe like Dortmund started to fall a little bit once Holland and Bellingham 
kind of left like they were a good team when they were on there they were constantly working together and then they left and I kind of like I kind of wasn't really paying attention to them anymore but like now um I'm kind of realizing like once they left they kind of like you said they started off on the wrong foot yeah have someone they were like really depending on Holland for goals and now they don't really have one person to completely depend on which they shouldn't be depending on one person to score goals but you know they do have a striker, but he's nothing like Holland. Like, no one mm-hmm. will ever be anything like Holland. Like, Sebastian Haller, he's their striker. Um, I don't – I'm pretty sure he played in this game. I kind of forgot. Um, It's just they, – they can't score goals. I feel like they don't have a strong enough team. I mean, PSG is obviously a very dominant team. They yeah. have really experienced international players. And I'm just not surprised – that Dortmund lost at all. Yeah, going into it, going into it, I knew that Dortmund would lose, but like, like I said, um, I feel like they kind of fell through once Holland and Bellingham left. Barcelona may have found their European, European footing with a runaway win, runaway five nil win over Antwerp. João Felix continues his. Um, scoring form, making a brace in this game. Lewandowski and Rafinha both racked in one goal, and Gavi scored his first ever Champions League goal. We also got to see more of Laminia Mall coming off the bench to become the second youngest debutant in Champions League history on a perfect first game for Xavi's side. Kayla, I want to talk about Jao Felix for a little bit. This is the start we- he wanted. This was the perfect start for him. He did really have a great start. I mean, two goals, and one of them being the opening goal of the game. It's absolutely amazing for him and his future in Barcelona. Like he absolutely shocked me when I knew he's. A, I know he's a great player, but like it shocked me how like great of a player he, I know he's gonna become. Yeah. So I feel there was so much talk around him, right? Um, because he didn't fit into um Atletico Madrid. Like Atletico Madrid play very defensively, and Jao Felix is very attacking. At Chelsea, also when he was loaned, he had some kind of like spells, just very minimal. Like whenever he came up with those goals that Chelsea really needed, you know, there was like a light there. But the thing about him is that he's a very inconsistent player, and when he like let's just say there's a game that he does well in usually the next game he's just gonna fall off but Barcelona looks like the complete opposite of that like I'm so happy that he found the club for him even though this is just alone um if he really continues this form he will literally be undroppable in Xavi's side I always rated him as a player he has so much talent and he is still very young and um, I'm just really happy he found the club for him and hopefully Xavi can bring out the best in him because he can be one of the best like you said. Mm -hmm. He like clearly works very well with Barcelona and their players like you said hopefully Xavi can like bring out the best of him and get build him up the ladder maybe get um maybe he can get more like future signings and like great clubs like FC Barcelona is a great club but I'm just saying like you never know like if he keeps this up up the form and uh he will be able to have a very successful future yeah hopefully Barcelona if everything works out they can sign him at the end of this loan because Mm -hmm. if he really continues this he can be one of the best and maybe they can build around him and Lewandowski and Jao Cancelo the other Jao that Barcelona signed he also looked 
very good. Like he assists a lot. Um, he actually scored yesterday in Barcelona's goal against Celta Vigo, and João Felix also assisted Lewandowski. And it looks like the Jaws are just at it. <laughs> Some people said that they'll be like the dream team of Jaws, and I was like, okay, yes. <laughs> I literally love that. Real Madrid earned a late three points at home against Union Berlin. The first half was very quiet, and so was the second half, until stoppage time when Madrid's informed man, Jude Bellingham, once again came to the rescue, capitalizing on Fede Valverde's blocked shot, winning the game for Real Madrid once again. Kayla, who else? Who else? I love Jude Bellingham yes. he is such <laughs> he is such an exceptional player he's like the star of most of the of the teams he's on he can always work well with players he's like he knows he can always work with anyone there's not one player that I haven't seen him do something well with on the field yeah he can adjust the players easily and he knows what to do when he has the ball which is key to to um football like you have to when you get the ball, you can't just pass or kick it wherever you want. You you get the ball, you have to have a plan. And he always has a plan whenever he gets the ball. Yeah, Jude is so good. There's not enough like superlatives to describe him. He he is him. He <laughs> is him. <laughs> he's he's not a striker at all, but he definitely has those qualities to be. Like he is always in the right spot. He knows where to stand, he knows where to run, he mm-hmm. knows when to pass, when to keep the ball. He always has the right mindset. He's yes. absolutely amazing. He's phenomenal. Yeah, like, he couldn't have, like, written this Madrid move better. This was the perfect move for him. And as much as I really, me and you wanted him to go to <laughs> Liverpool, um, I think this worked out for the best now. the for I sure. think Real Madrid is maybe the second best team in the world after City. <laughs> mm-hmm. And this is amazing. Like, everyone was so nervous on, like, who's going to get the goals because Benzema left, right? And then mm-hmm. Jude comes this summer, like, this 19-year-old then. He marched in, right? He's scoring all the goals. <laughs> He's still so young. He's going to have a great future ahead he of him. He just turned 20. I know. I just, I really hope that, like, he doesn't get too comfortable. No, And yeah. he just kind of becomes that player that like everyone relies on and then he doesn't perform as well anymore because he knows he's that player that everyone relies on but judging by how he's going so far I don't think he's gonna like become that player but um you know yeah like all the goals I just want to bring up this this is crazy to me all the goals he has he scored for Real Madrid right now they were all crucial ones and they were all in the 90th minute but only one was in the 81st. What? He's like, he's their last, not their last resort, but he's like their, like, if you need a goal, you have Jude Bellingham. Yeah, don't even worry about it. He'll put one in, like, the second the game's gonna end. He no went. No problem. Yeah, he went in as, like, a really young star, and now he literally launched himself. He, I, I feel like he's gonna be one of the best players in the world one day one like I don't know but he's he's gonna be the best yeah Real Madrid are like I said they're lacking goals and I feel like they will be good for most of La Liga and the group stages of the Champions League because they don't really have real competition but um they have no real striker 
and they're gonna have to pick it up in the latter stages and um Jude's goals right now are really masking that problem but I feel like mm-hmm. when you if you make it to like the semifinals of Champions League the quarterfinals and you're playing like um maybe a PSG maybe maybe even Manchester City again like we saw um you know something's gonna have to step it up because you can only have there's a player can't be in form all their life, so there's obviously going to be, um, you know, a time where Jude's going to kind of, you know, sit back and maybe not score those 90-minute goals every yeah. single game. So I feel like they really have to figure that out, but right now I feel like they could really soak it in. Oh, yeah, for the next, like, few years, they could definitely rely on him for some goals. Not only him, because it's you can't just rely on yeah. the player, but he is, he's, like, amazing. You can definitely... Um, rely on him for those goals at this time. Manchester City got off to a perfect start after coming back from behind to beat Cervena Zvezda 3-1. to one. City had to come from behind, like I said. Uh, it was 1-0 at halftime, but they recouped in the second half and went, went on to score three goals and Pep Guardiola side impresses once again. There is really no one who looks like they're going to give City a problem. Like, obviously, they went behind, but it didn't really matter to them because I think we all knew that they were going to win. They're a really well-oiled machine, and if you look at other teams, they all have their flaws, and they they don't look like a challenge for City. Like, I don't want to say City look perfect, but they do. They really do. Um. Obviously, there's, you know... Madrid have their problems. We saw Bayern Munich, which we'll talk about a little bit later, have their problems. PSG have their problems. Like, but City just look so well. Like, there seems to be like nothing that's bothering them. And unless City take their foot like off the gas, like we saw in some semi semifinals and quarterfinals, like uh two seasons ago, I remember one against Real Madrid. Um that's when other teams can creep up and kind of challenge them. But right now, I think City could win the Champions League again, and it's theirs to lose. Like, um, I don't want to say, I feel like obviously Pep said that the treble is going to be impossible for them to win, but it literally looks like they could win it again. If they really put their mind to it, they honestly really could. Yeah, I just think um, Pep doesn't want to get all the fans promise them something that yeah. they can't for sure promise. Mm-hmm. So City have started well in the UCL and Premier League and continue their perfect Premier League form with an expected win against Nottingham Forest. Phil Foden and Haaland scored the only two goals early in the first half. Second half did not, did not lack action as Rodri was sent off with, after a clash with Morgan Gibbs-White right at the start. City will now have to survive three games without Rodri, most importantly being the October 8th showdown against Arsenal. Um, uh, they were cruising, City were really cruising through this game. They had, okay, for the Foden goal, they had a 46 pass sequence. 46 passes to go to goal. That's insane. Uh, and I think the biggest miss out of this game is that they need Rodri. Um, mm-hmm. there was really for that challenge, right? It wasn't really a challenge, it was just kind of a fight. Um, 
there was no need for Rodri to get involved the way he did. He should have controlled his emotions because he should have known what was coming. Like, hitting a player in the chest, like, striking a player in the chest is an automatic red card. And I feel like he should have known that uh, because he is such a crucial player for City. Like, Rodri, I would say, he's irreplaceable for City. They won't just miss his passing for the next two games. But miss him up top. Like, he's always stepped up in big games. Like, we saw Champions League final. Um, He's always in the right place. He's very smart. He has a really amazing passing IQ. Like, it is insane. Obviously, they might have Bernardo Silva back because he is coming back from a really short-term injury. Um, They might have Stones back. Uh, Calvin Phillips looked actually pretty all right in this game, I would say. And Mateus Nunez also looks good. But literally... No one can replace Rodri. I think he maybe has been City's best player this season so far. And it didn't look like they were going to concede like at all in this game. But there was really that extra pressure on them because they were playing with 10 men. Um, And uh, so the door might open to Arsenal. Like we said, October 8th is when the Arsenal-City clashes. But if Arsenal can't beat City in a few weeks without Rodri, you can literally start carving the name on the trophy because the, the title's going to be City's if Arsenal can't beat... <laughs> I mean, the... Oh, Ar- yeah. Wait, what did I say? Uh, I actually the, don't remember. The, t- <laughs> the title is going to be City's if Arsenal cannot beat City without Rodri. Oh, yeah. Um, like you were saying, Rodri is irrepla- irreplaceable. But I feel like City does have players they could, like, they could replace him with, but not to the skill level and to the extent of, like, the passing IQ, like you said, that he has. But they do have players they can put in his position to possibly help them a little bit more. So, like, they depend on Rodri. They have players. It's just not to the um, skill level that Rodri's at. Yeah, they have really good depth, but Rodri has been really the guy oh yeah for sure but like on a side note i think phil foden played really well i feel like there's so much competition uh at city like in the forward line but if like foden gives something something give city something different and he can take players on well and he needs to really be productive and consistent if he wants to start for manchester city all the time because that forward line is competitive. And not just the forward line. Like, the whole City team is competitive. Because they have, like, crazy experienced international players on the bench. Like, what other team has that? They have, like, they have players they can replace any time. Like, their players mm-hmm. on the their forward line, at least, is, like, amazing. The competition. I, I don't think Holland will ever not start unless he's injured. But, I mean, like... Uh- Sorry, go ahead. Obviously, there's games that Holland does not start because, like, if they're, like, easier oh, games, yeah. then you can obviously save him. But they have Julian Alvarez, which is mm-hmm. an equal replacement, I would say. They're pretty similar, yeah. Manchester respectably lost against Bayern Munich in the action-packed game on Wednesday. In the first half, Bayern was up by two goals, scored the 28th and 32nd minute. Second half kicked off, and United quickly scored. Honestly, giving me some hope for United. But soon in the tw- <laughs> but soon in the fifty third minute, Byron was rewarded a penalty because of a handball by Christian Eriksen. Harry Kane scored the penalty, giving Byron a two goal advantage. Time was ticking, and and 
Time was ticking, and it seemed as though one would be the final score. But Casemiro in the 88th minute scored for United. Then just two minutes and added time, Tell scored for it 4-2. Manchester United didn't give up, and once again, Casemiro scored three minutes after Soon after, the final whistle blew, leaving Bayern Munich at a 4-3 win against Manchester United. Honestly, I fully expected Manchester United to lose this, but then scoring three goals against Bayern Munich is honestly mm-hmm. baffling to me. Three for the final score. And I know Onana didn't make the best saves. No. Um, <laughs> oh my gosh. He went on TNT Sports and said that, and I quote, I'm the one who let the team down. And he also added, the team went down because of my mistakes. I have to learn from them. I have to learn from it and be strong. Move on. It was one of my worst games. And honestly, I think you can't just blame the goalie in too much. I mean, yeah. he does have fault in this game, but it's a team effort. Mm-hmm. And speaking of team effort, one day in Spanish class, I was really bored watching a Manchester United Everton game from the FA Cup last season. And oh my gosh, Manchester United was a complete team. They were calm. They were composed. Yeah. The players were thinking before they moved the ball. And, and every move they make, they looked like they could work together. And it was in the beginning of Eric Ten Hag's coaching career. And when I was watching it, I was like, where did this team go? Like, mm-hmm. I was thinking, like, did Eric Ten Hag maybe get too comfy? Or are the players, like, did they get too comfy with him and not perform with him? And, like, watching it was like, where did Manchester United team go, you know? Yeah, yeah. so this game, like you said, it was 4-3, but it was the most un-4-3 game, if that makes mm-hmm. sense. Like, you would have thought these teams were playing amazing, right? Like, at each other all the time, it was like constantly. action-packed, constant fighting, but... It- like, it... it- it was action packed because of the goals, but it just these both of these teams have been kind of meh. <laughs> I always mm-hmm. use that word, but like there's no other way to describe it. Like I actually think Manchester United played really good until the first goal, until the Onana mistake, and then they oh, yeah. literally folded like like dominoes. Right, you hit the first one, all of them fall down. That is exactly what happened. They um I'm. Like, I'm going to talk about Onana for a second as a former goalkeeper. Um, They obviously brought in Onana because he was better with the ball at his feet than David De Gea. Um, and obviously, playing with the ball at your feet is something that is, like, it's crucial for a modern-day goalkeeper. But he can't, mm-hmm. okay, I don't want to blame him too much, but he can't do the most basic thing of a goalkeeper. He cannot stop the ball with his hands. No, I know. He's really lacking in that sense, even though he's a goalkeeper. Like like I said, you can't blame him too much, but at least he was at least he was fully aware of his mistakes. Yeah. Like he said he'll learn and try to be stronger and move on. And honestly, I hope he's actually sticking to his word because judging by how the how the season has been going, it's like he has good days, he has bad days. And it was mm-hmm. just you know, it was like the you said the domino, kind of like dominoes. When yeah. One player kind of falls down, the rest fall down. It's not like they can't, you know, keep it together even though the other teams are already winning. Yeah, like, the goal that he let in the first one, it was literally a basic warm-up save. That is Mm -hmm. a save that you should make in warm-up, and that is a save you should make in a game. And then, after that goal, Bayern kept attacking, right? 
Um, they got their goals, but the only reason this game wasn't a runaway goal for Bayern, and I have a more kind of Bayern perspective on this, is because Bayern have their own problems, and they really switched off and gave United the chances, and United capitalized on them. Um, Bayern could not, could have got more, like definitely, but their midfield gets extremely exposed. Like um, Leon Goretzka, he is not in form at all, and he does not have that energy for Bayern. And I definitely think he could be benched for the long term because Joshua Kimmich needs a good partner because he is kind of like that leader in the midfield. Um, but United also have their problems, like their mid, um, their midfield also has really big problems they're not giving defense protection right they're not giving their defensive line protection mm-hmm. casemiro continues his poor form he um he's getting exposed and he needs cover like he needs someone to cover for his mistakes like mason mount we saw is not it he's not going to be the guy amrabat he just came back from injury he played in the burnley game like last few minutes we need to see more of him and see if he can be that Casemiro cover because Casemiro is getting older and he doesn't have that extra yard or two. Mm-hmm. Um, and United just played so open. Bayern had so much room. And when you give Bayern room, you're strengthening the players. Like, um, I just want to say, like, real quickly, like, there was this one play, right, where Jamal Musiala, he had the ball. He turned around. He looked. No one was coming to press him. So he's like, okay, I'm just going to take all this room, right? absolutely no one pressing him and you need that like this isn't some like little kid game like I feel like you know what to do and I seriously didn't think they (laughs) score at all but like you said they got lucky and I remember last episode you also said that Bayern need I I mean Bayern men United need a lot of luck in this game and I think they got that (laughs) Mm -hmm. I honestly forgot about Mason Mal (laughs) you mentioned him and I'm like oh yeah he's on United so, um, they're not really using a lot of their players to their advantage. Well, Mount's like, injured, well, so... Yeah, I know. Mount can't play right now, but I'm just saying, like, they have... They do have a decent amount of good players. It's just like they aren't training well. And like I said, maybe they got a little bit too comfortable with Ten Hag, or Ten Hag got too comfortable with them, and they aren't just pushing themselves to be the amazing players that they can be. They're just kind of depending on luck. And, like, this game, like you said... And I said before, they need luck, and they got it, but, I mean, they still lost. You literally brought up my next point so perfectly. (laughs) You know, I think Men United have actually some good players. They have really experienced international players, Um, but this summer was supposed to be that summer where Men United kind of rebuilt. Um, Some of these players that are there have been there since Jose Mourinho some of them have been there since Ali Gunnar Ali oh my gosh I'm gonna have such a (laughs) Ali Gunnar Solskjaer there we go there we go Solskjaer um (laughs) I think they just need some new players um Ten Hag obviously brought in players that he wants but it doesn't look like they have a plan on what to do. It, everything looks half-hearted from them. When they're defending, it looks half-hearted. They're not going in for the challenge. Midfield, also half-hearted. Forward line, also half-hearted. They're not getting back to help the defense. Like, And you can only blame the players for so long until it comes down for the manager. And maybe I'm saying this too early. I probably am. But, you know, if things get even more tough this season then you really have to look at Ten Hag and ask if he's the right mm-hmm. guy for them 
because last season, like I said, I was watching a game from last season from mm-hmm. the FA Cup, and they were they were like almost flawless. They were playing, they were thinking with what they were gonna do, and now I'm watching them. There's some things, some plays that they're doing that the third and fourth graders that I coach can do better than them. Like some of the plays, like yeah, it's just so they they just kind of kicking it sometimes. There's no thought behind the process of what United is doing. They're just depending on luck like I said and they have those international players they could use it's just they're not training them to work together as a team and work with each other as they should be okay Manchester United took on Burnley at Turf Moor with a win of one to zero Bruno Fernandes scored a lucky goal in the 45th minute but Burnley wasn't giving up they kept trying to score but hit the post, or Anana made some pretty great saves this game. Overall, Burnley played and performed better, but they just couldn't finish their shots. Like, in my opinion, based off of the based off of how each team was performing, Burnley deserved the win, and Manchester United, once again, just got lucky. But from this win, I am happy to say that Manchester United moved up to ninth place on the Premier League table. Still, it's very sad to see that United just barely won against the team in danger of relegation. Yeah, um, I actually... <laughs> only thing you can say about this game is they got three points. Uh, there's they, nothing special about how they played at all. Actually, they had a hard, got lucky. Yeah, I had a hard time coming up with stuff to say. They got outplayed, um, I guess. Um, mm-hmm. Burnley really outpassed them. I didn't expect Burnley to score as much anyways because they haven't. Even though yeah. I said that they're not getting getting relegated, I might have to change that because it looks like they might. Um, but United needed these three points, I will say, to rebuild some confidence. Mm-hmm. Um, they have some really easy fixtures coming up, so hopefully they can get a run of form going before their match against City in late October, which I am so excited about. I know, I'm so excited. I mean, although I know United's going to get crushed, I'm so excited <laughs> to see it. Wow, Kayla, so much confidence in your team. Okay, well, look at how they're doing. Like, the beginning of the table, they were, like, close to the bottom, along with Chelsea, and, like, now they're just... We don't like, talk about they, that. We don't talk about that. <laughs> they got lucky. They did, and, like, I watched, like, the first 20 minutes of this game, and then I had to leave to go do something, but... Burnley scored on the po- they almost scored they got on the post they Anana made two great saves but mm-hmm. it's just they got lucky to be They're- like to win and Burnley they didn't finish their shots sure but they they hit the post I think twice that's just uh, that's just pure unlucky like that so close and it's just I'm happy that United won it's just I don't think it was very well deserved based off based off of how they were playing. Yeah, it's like a relief almost. It's like, oh my yeah. gosh, we actually whew. And like, it shouldn't be. No, it, it really sh- shouldn't be. You should run away with this game. It's a team that came out of the uh, championship. They should run away with this game. Like City beat them, I believe it was three or four zero at the beginning of the season. Like, that's what it should be, not a 1-0 game that y- you said they got lucky. It shouldn't be that. Honestly, and Manchester United has been getting really lucky recently. Like, we said, I don't know how many times we just said lucky in, like, the past five I know. minutes. But they they are. It's just, it's what's happening. It's just, they don't have form. They're not performing the way that they should. And it's just, they're just relying on oh, is this going to go in or not? If it doesn't, oh, well. Like, they have to put more pressure on, work together better. 
and I'm not sure what they can do to like figure that out but that's Ten Hag's job like he needs to figure out how to make them more of a team luck can only get you so far Mm -hmm. it's gonna come down to the way you play sooner or later like maybe even in the city game because if they don't then they're literally getting run over if Manchester United wins against City, I'm literally gonna make a cake and celebrate. <laughs> like, <laughs> um, like Kayla, I'm sorry, so- they're not winning. <laughs> I mean, maybe, maybe luck, maybe luck, maybe, maybe luck will be in their favor again. You yes. never know. You never know. The most anticipated game of this week, the North London Derby, ended in a thrilling two-to-two draw. Arsenal would take the lead with Saka's shot deflecting off of Christian Romero. Son then equalized right before halftime, taking the pressure off Spurs. Romero again had a blunder as he gifted Arsenal a penalty with Saka converted. Just moments later, Son rescued the game for Spurs making each side walk off with a point each um this was seriously one of the best london derbies north london derbies yet i think it will go down as one of the great ones because of the uh competitiveness in both teams like they both started off really well arsenal have started off amazingly like last season as well spurs have just been amazing this season with pasta coglu they have just really like found their identity and mm-hmm. um I really love the way they play and you know no one was really I know some people were saying Arsenal to win but I feel like it was very 50-50 like the match was literally really it was fairly even throughout Spurs honestly oh sorry no go ahead I was gonna say honestly the match was like literally 50-50 I mean two to two the stats were 13 shots for both teams the possession was almost 50-50 exactly yeah both teams really wanted the win and Arsenal maybe they got a little bit lucky with their two goals it was an own goal and a penalty but it was like really it was a good game it was a really good game it was very Mm action-packed and um it was it was kind of a shocking game because if you were to tell me that Arsenal was playing Tottenham like one month ago, I would have laughed and said Arsenal's winning for sure. But this season, Arsenal isn't like they're they're doing great, but they aren't meeting my very high expectations I had set for them. And Spurs are like exceeding my low expectations. Oh yeah, definitely. It was a very entertaining game. There was times both sides enjoyed like moments of pressure, and then they came under fire, and it was just back and forth like. Um, Spurs sometimes got caught off guard and got outplayed, but that's really part of the game. And Spurs have had such a mentality shift since last season, since under Antonio Conte. Um, and I just love the way they play now. Like, I think they really, I said this last episode, they really found their guy and Postacoglu, like, brought hope almost into this Spurs side. Mm-hmm, for sure. And, um... Speaking of Arsenal now, it looks like we spoke of this last episode. It looks like David Raya is now uh, Mikel Arteta's number one goalkeeper. Um, Raya has started since the Everton game. He played last weekend and played against PSV in the Champions League and now the North London Derby. And Arteta said that he wants to rotate his goalkeepers like any other position. But you, I don't think you can do that. Like, I think no, the... the- Go ahead. No, so I was going to say, the players have to get used to that goalie. You can't just yeah. rotate them all the time. You have to pick one. And if you want to rotate them, like, 
like seasons like one season this one I guess you can do that because for preseason the players can get used to their goalie but it's just he has two phenomenal goalies it's just you have to pick which one you want to keep and I guess he's going with David Raya but if he constantly keeps on switching them it's not gonna really go in their favor I don't know I want to know why he did this though like was there something that Ramsdale did was he was Ramsdale not meeting Arteta's expectations like I really want to know why because I am I said this last episode I back Ramsdale 100% he is he he should be he is my Arsenal number one goalkeeper I don't care what Arteta says he should be Arsenal's number one goalkeeper I think I feel like the players are used to him uh, he just, he has, like, this edge to him. He's very exciting, and he makes mistakes, yeah, but, like, that's part of the job. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. So, for, like, argument's sake, like, I love both of the goalies. I have nothing against either of them. But it's just, if I was to be on, like, for David Raya, I would say something like, like, I don't know, I just feel like um with Ramsdale, was just maybe the players just got too used to him or got too comfortable on the field. I don't know. There's not really anything I could say, like, horrible about him. But there's not anything I can also say horrible about David Raya. Like, there's... Yeah. Maybe maybe um he, the coach, just he just wanted someone new, someone fresh on the field, a new face, maybe. Because he knows that he's just as great as Ramsdale. So, you know, I, I don't think that there was an exact reason. That's just I'm, my opinion, though. Yeah, I'm just, like really kind of like shocked because I actually thought Ramsdale was gonna start this game since he <laughs> he knows kind of like this like he they played North London Derby last season um and it literally looks like Ramsdale's career at Arsenal may be coming to a close maybe Chelsea can kind of pop their heads in and be like what's up <laughs> you know I would love him at Chelsea you know to replace Robert Sanchez who I am not a fan of at all um but Again, speaking of Spurs, I think Sun was the man of the match. He was my man of the oh, match. Yeah. Like, all expectation fell on Sun when Harry Kane left, and he delivered. Like, in this North London derby, he scored twice. He worked off the ball. Like, he, there was so much effort that he was putting in, like, off the ball work. He had such an ator- a, authoritative edge, like, on all the players all throughout the field. And Spurs have just been reborn ever since Harry Kane left. Oh yeah, I feel like they like like I have mentioned probably in like the last what five episodes or something. They just were depending on Harry Kane so much mm-hmm. that just now without him they were finally learning to work as a team and not depending on one player. Yeah. So the last few episodes of Very Factual we have had is like segment for Chelsea. Because I'm a major Chelsea fan, but I am I, I just don't know what to say about them anymore. They lost to Aston Villa today 1-0 with Ollie Watkins scoring in the 73rd minute. Um, Chelsea can just, they can't score. They can't do anything. Like, they were reduced to 10 men after um, the break with Malo Gusto getting a red card, which I think is horrible because Reese James is injured. And then Malo Gusto was their literally only replacement right back. Um, I, I, I seriously don't know what to say. Like this is there's, horrible. There's like nothing to say. It's just we've already said like how much we're disappointed in Chelsea and how much like it's just they aren't fixing their performance. They aren't. They are. They don't even have luck on their side. They have no. nothing. Like 
it's just they're not and with Reese James he's an injured and it's just they're not going to have a replacement. I just think it's going to keep going downhill for Chelsea. And I did read somewhere that Chelsea might go into relegation, but I'm like, I saw- no. But I'm like, but I'm like, no. But now I'm okay. thinking, you never know. They're they're just not doing. They're not doing what Chelsea's supposed to be doing. I you know, I <laughs> I don't know what to say. Like. Pochettino keeps building more and more problems upon himself. Like Chelsea dropped into 14th place. You know what? They I'm looking at the table right now. They low-key look like they could be in relegation because of their upcoming matches. Oh Wait, my what are their upcoming matches? Hold on. I'm looking right now. So they have a Carabao Cup the this weekend against Brighton. Brighton is in such top form. It obviously won't matter for Premier League, but Chelsea are losing mm-hmm. that. Fulham, they have Fulham Monday, October 2nd. Then they have Burnley, um, which I think Burnley-Chelsea could be very 50-50 because Chelsea have not gave nothing. And then October 21st, Arsenal. Well, um, judging by how Burnley played against United... I think Burnley might win that one if Chelsea yeah. keeps up the shape that they're in if, right now. If Burnley literally beat let United like beat them 1 0, mm-hmm. Chelsea are losing. Then October 28th, they have Brentford. Okay, they and then November 6th. Oh my goodness, Kayla, this gets worse <laughs> and worse. October 28th, they have Brentford. Brentford have started off pretty good, even though they lost against Everton uh, on Saturday. I don't think it will really bother them. Then November 6th, we have another London Derby, uh, Spurs-Chelsea. And then November 12th, uh, Chelsea City. And then November 25th, Newcastle-Chelsea. And then December 2nd, Chelsea-Brighton. And then finally, December 6th, we have Man United versus Chelsea. And that's our game. That is our <laughs> game. Kayla, I am so scared. If Chelsea get relegated... Stop. They can actually... They can actually be in relegation. Like, I'm being dead serious. I I don't even know what to think about them anymore. Because I, like, I've always had something against them because you like them. Yes! <laughs> but it's just... I don't want them to go into... Re- they're Chelsea. Like, yes! It's, it's Chelsea. You... It's a top team. Like the fact that we have to depend on the Burnley game for them to get points rather than like it being like against Liverpool or I don't know, Spurs even. Like you have to depend on one of like the teams that are already in relegation to possibly gain more points. I mean, it's just like it's crazy that a top team like that, that like they won the Champions League, they won Premier Leagues, they just. Yeah. I don't even know anymore. <laughs> the last time Chelsea were relegated was the 1987-88 to 88 season. So that's a good, I don't know how many years is that. <laughs> 30-something. 30-something years. Almost 40? I don't know. And I think this Chelsea team definitely can be relegated because I, I'm not clicking with them. Like, at all. Mm-hmm. Like, they're not giving me, like, that team feeling like Manchester City is I I'm like leaning very city these days and also le- leaning very Liverpool which we'll talk about soon because everyone knows I'm actually a Liverpool fan just kidding um um I know I know you're secretly a Liverpool <laughs> fan Chelsea you you you've loved them for like two years I just feel like Chelsea's your team but like Liverpool is also your team <laughs> yeah I I am literally th- Going back to the relegation thing, they literally can be relegated. 
they could. That is insane. And I don't like saying it, but it's true. I'm sorry, but it's so it's true. Isa, it's it's time to pick a new team. (laughs) I'm gonna gonna have to pick Liverpool. If Chelsea get relegated, I'm literally hopping over to Liverpool because this is disgusting. You can't just leave your team behind. Fake fake fan. Fake fan. Honestly, fake fan. I don't care. (laughs) They... (laughs) These players, they're not good. Like, they're not. They're, they're not performing. They're not they're, doing what they're supposed to do. Literally, the only player that I really rate and that I can think of is Raheem Sterling because he is, like, a big name. But all those other ones, like... He needs other players to play to his full, you know, like skill level. and He doesn't have those other players. Like, I know that they're trying to do young things, bring in young players. You can't stop. You need that 30-year-old in your mm-hmm. team. I mean, they do have Thiago Silva, but Thiago Silva, he can't really speak English, which I'm not saying is, like, a bad thing, but, like, he can't lead the team in that way, and he can't just carry them. No, he can't. He really can't. I'm just so disappointed because I Todd Bowley came in and ruined everything. Like, get him out of here. I remember we were talking about this when he came in, and you're like, oh my god, I'm so disappointed, I'm so disappointed, and I'm like, you never know, but... Like, it's an were You were right, you were right, it's just nothing, everything just started to go downhill, it was like, oh, it got a little bit better, and then it was just a ski slope down, it, it just got so bad. We had literally four managers last season. <laughs> four. This is sad, like, this isn't depressing for Chelsea. But also... Now that you just said that, I'm thinking maybe it could all it could also like be like a big reason that they're playing like this is just the players. Like maybe it's not just Todd Bowley's fault because four it is managers, Todd Bowley's fault. No, it, it is, is Todd, it is. They but have it, Mauricio Pochettino. Like, I know that, but I'm just saying maybe, just maybe, it could be the players are like not listening to the coaches or respecting them to the full respect i don't know i don't know how to like say it i don't know how to word it do you kind of get what i'm trying to say i'm, I'm try- i kind of get it but like it's like I- it's it's just like it's obviously it's it's Todd Bowley's fault for sure but i don't know i just feel like the players definitely have a lot to do with it maybe that they went through four managers maybe they just aren't working together with the yes manager. there's no cohesion in the there- team they're just they're not working with the manager. The manager isn't working with them and they have to keep going through more and more and they just can't find the one. Like Tottenham has found theirs. Oh yeah. Just, like, that's actually a really good point. I actually that's actually really good. Um I, know, I was just I was just thinking, like, maybe, you never know. They haven't found their guy. That's what you're trying to say? Yeah, they haven't they haven't found their guy, yeah. Like, um uh they had Graham Potter last year. Um, he was amazing at Brighton, but he came into Chelsea and ruined his career. Then we had some interim guy that I have... N- oh, go ahead. Sorry. No, no, no. I was going to say, I don't know why they got rid of... um, What's his name? Uh, Thomas Tuchel. Oh Thomas Tuchel. Yep. I don't know why they got rid of him. It was after a Dinamo Zagreb game in the Champions League. That next day, Thomas Tuchel was sacked. You know how upset I was? I was... No, we were... I think I was over at your house and we found out and it was just... It was so annoying. It was like, why? Why would they? He was he was building the team. And I love Thomas like, too. Just because he had like what four games that he lost, right? 
you're gonna yeah. get back up you can't yeah, just do that like what you are you can just throw them like look at where chelsea is now we were talking about them going into relegation this is going into relegation i i don't even know what to say <laughs> and we've spent like 10 minutes talking about chelsea maybe and how like we... go ahead no, no no i don't have any more it's just like how they can't do they can't Chelsea. They can't do anything. They can't Chelsea. Um, I think back to the Jose Jose Mourinho days when they won, uh, Premier League, and just the happy days. And now it's just dark skies. There's no more blue mm-hmm. skies. <laughs> Maybe we should move on to a bit of a happier topic, Kayla. Liverpool winning <laughs> West Ham three to one. Liverpool. <laughs> Liverpool had a like a poor first half in this game, but they turned things around. Um, Darwin Nunez and Diogo Jota really turned it around. Salah scored a penalty. Um, <laughs> I think Liverpool they have picked up their form since last season. They definitely have. Like last season, I just don't think it was anyone's like season. Like a bunch of these. Big it was United season. Oh no, 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 no! Well, now it's not, Kayla. Now Stop it's not. living in the past. <laughs> <laughs> I just uh, they Liverpool won against uh, LASK in the Europa League, and I said in my predictions, like the first episode we did, I thought Liverpool were gonna end second, and I literally think they are. I I mean Spurs. I think Spurs will end third. But that's for a different. That's it for a different yeah. episode. I'm getting off track, but I I love Liverpool. I, I I they're just they have always been kind of like that team that has that cohesion that I really like, and I can really just relate to those players. And the defensive line has always been my favorite. And um, obviously. Trent is injured, so they had Joe Gomez in instead. They have had they have some two incredible players in the midfield, and Alexis McAllister and Dominic Shobozlai. They have been incredible, and Darwin Nunez has has really picked up his form. And West Ham has also not started. Off, I mean, they. I'm sorry, they have started off well, and I think Liverpool just showed that they're the better side. And I'm I'm very happy that there was. Mm-hmm. Liverpool, yeah. Sorry, sorry. No, go ahead. Um, I was gonna say Liverpool definitely picked up their feet. Like I feel like next season they'll be back to their old form. They just they're definitely going up the right way right now. They're they're not going up the right way. They're going the right way in um form wise and like cohesion and everything. They're just they're definitely working and fixing their last season. Speaking of Newcastle from earlier, they um actually managed to get their biggest away win in history, uh, winning eight to zero against Sheffield United. Uh, Sean Longstaff scored the first goal. Dan Burns scored. Sven Botman scored. Callum Wilson scored. Anthony Gordon scored. Miguel Almiron scored. Bruno Guimaraes scored. Alexander Isak scored. That was eight different goal scorers. They absolutely ran riot in this game. (laughs) They really did. And, I mean, obviously I expected them to win against Sheffield. But eight to zero is crazy, and eight different goal scorers too. It's just 
I'm proud. I'm proud of them. I am. Yeah, I obviously we can't get that carried away saying mm-hmm. they went eight nil, and we can't say like they're back. Oh my gosh, they're back. It, it is Sheffield, and it is. This is you know, this is not going to help them in when they face PSG in a week or two. Like they need to perform against big teams, um, and I. <laughs> I don't know if this is going to help them. Obviously, kudos to them because I feel like they really need it. It's like a confidence booster, right? Yeah. Like we said that. And eight different goal scores. Like, I just want to talk about when Manchester City played um, Sheffield United August 27th, Men's City only won two to one. And um, Newcastle managed to get an eight to zero victory. I feel like just Sheffield had a different mindset probably going in against City. It's just also I am worried about the PSG and um if PSG plays what's the team? Uh Newcastle, Newcastle. that they um they're gonna see that they won eight zero and they'll be okay, well we really gotta bring like, you know, a game on this and they're gonna be even more difficult to play against. Because like you said, Newcastle can't be like, Oh, you know, we're gonna win everything now because it was eight nothing but Yeah. It was Sheffield. It was Sheffield. Sheffield is in 20th place. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Just gotta say, maybe Chelsea will be there in a few weeks. You never know. <laughs> they are actually very... Okay, I should stop talking about Chelsea. This is about Newcastle. <laughs> uh, <laughs> um, this is... I was actually, like, very shocked. I actually thought it was just going to be, like, maybe 1-0, 2-1. Like, I didn't... Like, Manchester City did not win mm-hmm. 8-0 against... Um, <laughs> Like... They actually, Newcastle have good players, and I, I'm i going to keep bringing this up. How did eight different goal scorers? What? Like, I'm pretty sure it was Kieran Trippier who got a hat trick and assists as well. And like I said, like we said for um, Men United, it's, this is a confidence booster. And I think that they need that mm-hmm. for the games coming up for Champions League. And hopefully they can kind of start rebuilding their form that they had last season. I just really hope Newcastle doesn't like take this as, oh, we don't really need to, um, whatever, whatever they did this game to win 8-0. Hopefully they keep doing it because I don't want them to think, okay, well, we just did amazing. We can just do whatever we want now, you know? Like, no, you got to keep performing. Yeah. So, some other games in the Premier League this weekend included Crystal Palace and Fulham, another London derby, technically. They drew 0-0 Luton Town and Wolves. Also drew 1-1 Luton Town getting their first points of the Premier League season. Woo! (laughs) (laughs) Um, Then we had Brentford-Everton. This was actually a very surprising game. Brentford lost 1-3 against Everton, which I did not expect because Everton could not score goals for anything thing so far this season but they managed to get a win against a Brentford side that has started off really well Brighton um also won three to one against Bournemouth not surprising Brighton have been amazing and that's all we have for you guys today very packed episode very um thank you everyone for listening uh please follow our Instagram and YouTube at very factual podcast join in next week